Beverly Hoffman and John McDonald have worked and volunteered for KYUK since the mid-1970s. They saw the rise of television, the start of the Kuskokwim 300, live evening news, and so much more. They practically grew up at KYUK, and in turn, KYUK grew, changed, and evolved over the years, thanks to their hard work, innovations, and dedication. Uh, in raising money, we came up with uh, two years in a row, we thought we'd give a bunch of gold away. And uh, we got $1,000 worth of gold coins. And, um, and if you f followed the clues that were given on the radio, you would go and find something that would lead you to the next clue. And the, and the clues, the, things, the clues are hidden all over town and the clues for where they are were, were kind of, they, were, they weren't easy and to say where it was. You had to kind of know the town and, and boy, every, whatever day we were do every day, some of these people were, they, they were running around town looking for the clues and looking for the clues. And, um, and it, it was really fun. And, uh, and sure enough, I mean, both years, somebody ended up one person, you know, different person each time, but ended up finding the, the final, uh, the gold in the a, final one. Yeah. Alan Oxier went out the night before during the middle of the night and hid the gold in the final spot. And, uh, and, and, and somebody got it. And Isa so found it is, is, is a found it. Yeah. Found we it. had, there was used to be an old boat sitting over here, uh, called snowball. the snowball. And that's where the gold was in the end, but we didn't have the gold out all week. You know, we didn't want someone to accidentally find it. We didn't put it out till the night before. And even that we were made to, don't let anyone see you hiding this gold or we're going to lose it. Anyway. Welcome back to In Your Ears for 50 Years. I'm Gabby Salgado. This summer, KYUK is celebrating 50 years on the air. KYUK is the oldest native-owned bilingual news station in the country, and we are here to celebrate its history. Last week, we looked at the ins and outs of starting a radio station from the ground up. We talked to Robert Nick and Peter Twitchell, and they told us what it was like bringing public radio to the Yukon-Kuskokwim Delta. This week, we are looking at the first few years of KYUK. We'll be looking at what it was like running a radio station in rural Alaska, what it was like when television came into the mix, and how we were able to stay on the air for 50 years. Before we get started today, I just wanted to remind everyone to rate, review, and subscribe to this show and all other KYUK podcasts. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and NPR One. Our guests today are two Bethel staples. Bev Hoffman was born and raised in Bethel. She moved away for a little while, but came back in the late 70s with her husband, John McDonald, 
Together, they've taken Bethel by storm. They have both worked and volunteered for KYUK. Throughout the years, they've supported this station through their hard work and generosity. Um, I'm John McDonald. I'm Beverly Hoffman. Well, growing up here in Bethel in the 50s, um, all of our news on radio was from Armed Forces Radio. We had the Army Air Force Base across the river, and um, that's what everybody listened to. We didn't get many papers. The plane came in once a week, and um, there was no television, of course. And we had a newsreel at the local theater that once a week on Fridays, we get a newsreel of what was going on in the lower 48. And that was fascinating for a kid growing up in Bethel without television. Yeah. Bev moved away from Bethel for high school and college before eventually ending up in Northern California where she met John. Then one summer, Bev, John, and a handful of others found themselves aboard the Husky Two headed up to Bethel. Their goal was to make money and leave by the end of the summer. But once they came up to Bethel, there was no going back. Not long after moving, Bev and John started working for KYUK. Very soon after that, we realized um, that we could have our own radio show and play all that great California music, the Grateful Dead and Jefferson Airplane. And, you know, so both of us, I think John was the first one to get a radio show mm -hmm. and I followed later. But did either of them have broadcast experience? None at all. Uh, John, you talk a little bit about how you ended up at KYUK. In I, uh, I, was a, I was a photographer when I got here, and I got a job quickly with the Tundra Drums. And at the time, the Tundra Drums office uh, was actually where Shane's office is now. And that was where they published the paper. And there was a large dark room uh, here. And I started working there and then they were going to do instructional television with uh, the college here and Alan Oxier uh, needed a graphics artist and I thought, well, I can probably do that. I can take pictures. I can do graphic art. Um, and I was hired to work in instructional television. I had also been an electronics technician in the Navy. So I, between photography and electronics, I, it sort of fit right in with television. So I quickly became a cameraman in the studio, a director in the studio, a technical director. Um, and we put on uh, live instructional television every day, full schedule uh, of classes that we did in the studio. Everything from math to English to psychology, everything uh, we did here. So that was in 75. I started that and I at the same time still worked for the newspaper. So I was taking pictures using the dark room and then all day doing instructional television. And then gradually, um, as the station got more money, um, uh, we started the production department and there was no production, real production department. We were paid by the college to do ITV. And I became head of the production department right off the bat. And we um, were in the back of the building here, like where it is now. 
Uh, at first, we were actually up where the Tundra Drums was because the Tundra Drums moved. And so we were in that room where Shane is. They had all the editing machines in there and everything. And then they fixed this part up and we moved back here. And um, we had up to, I think, up to 10 people in the TV production department uh, at the time. And so we were doing lots of live television now beyond instructional television. This was all stuff just for KYUK. English news, YouTube news, everything was live every day. And um, because John was working here and he had his radio show and I was uh, doing some writing for Rosie Porter, um, I decided I'm on my own radio show. He had an evening radio show in 75 and I decided I was going to take a morning slot and so I did the morning um, radio show, opened it up, and then later on um, started working in the news department, half time, part time, and um, and writing for the newspaper too. So uh, yeah, it was a real exciting time, I think, to be a part of, of te live television coming into Bethel, live broadcasts and a huge um, staff here at KYK at the time. Budgeting always seemed to be a problem even back then, but for some reason we were able to do a lot of community events, a lot of fun things were happening here. Um, it seemed like every week. We had uh, George Holman was a huge part of starting the station. He got the initial funding. And as long as he was in there, we were doing okay with money. There was lots of money in those days because of the oil. And we were able to get large grants, state grants, which you hardly get any of them now. Um, and, 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 so, and also Ted Stevens on the federal level, uh, he made sure that CPB got plenty of money and that his rural stations in Alaska got a lot of money. So. You know, that's why we were able to buy equipment anytime and hire people and and they were good days. And a lot of it was just because it was more money available. Both Bev and John had radio shows playing the music that they loved, often to the chagrin of Bev's parents. My Mine was on a Tuesday night and it was music and, you know, a little talking in between and stuff, just the regular the and, and different themes, you know, some nights jazz and some night uh, more rock, San Francisco type music or, you know, move around. But it, mine was a Tuesday night show and it was music. Yeah. And I always started mine with um, a lot of jazz and then went into soft rock in the morning before the news and all of that. And I think I would drive people crazy during the school year um, playing Leon Redbone uh, wake up lazy bones, lazy bones, get your kids to school. And mm, I played it too often and people would complain. But I also had a Saturday morning show that was awful fun. You know, it was all, all music and uh, the people would come in and visit. And I would just, oh, back then it was all albums. <laughs> you know, we had albums and um, we had our favorite albums that we would bring to KYUK. And just funny things would happen. I think the funniest thing that ever happened on my show, uh, and my mother listened, and she always wanted me to play a lot more country music than I did. Um, she would call, and I'd be playing too much Grateful Dead, and she'd be going, 
I'd be so grateful when they're dead, you know, and things like that. And one time she, I turned on um, Carl Reiner and um, Mel Brooks. Um, 2000 year old man. 2000 year old man. And it got pretty raunchy, <laughs> but I was, wasn't listening. I was visiting with my dear friend and my mother calls and she goes, uh, do you know what you're playing? And they were talking about, well, I won't even mention what they were talking about, but I listen. I now I have that album. It was given to me by KYUK staff. <laughs> I another fun thing on Saturdays for quite a while. Uh, Tom Foote and I did a puppet show. Whoa, whoa. Hey, <laughs> look at that! Beyond there. Hey, welcome everybody. To me, was Alec and Marvin. New Year's special show! Right there, yeah, says it right behind us. Summer of yep. Into a fall of something. Yeah, and we we're going to sing and dance and entertain you for an hour and a half. What kind of action we got boy. today? Boy, it's going to be all me and Eric, oh, too. Oh, it's going to be great. You're going to love it. Here we are. Wait a minute. This is not the Eric and Marvin special. Who's that? Who's this guy? As you may plainly see from the sign, this is the KYUK special! And it was puppets in between. We got cartoons, you know, like a good package of cartoons. And we'd play some with cartoons. And then during the breaks, uh, Eric and Marvin, a uh, moose and a uh, German puppet. And don't forget, um, Minnie the Martian. Oh, Minnie the Martian. Minnie. Yeah, but you weren't on so much on Saturdays that often. But No, I wasn't invited. On the cartoon show. <laughs> so that was, always, that was fun, too, on Saturdays mornings doing cartoon at this time, with shows like Ask an Alaskan, Tundra Terra Theater, and live TV news, KYUK's local programming was thriving. Yeah, it was, uh, it was constant. But like I said, we had a pretty big crew. We usually had a couple people that were dedicated to going out and getting news footage every day uh, for the news because you didn't just want people sitting there. So there was always uh, a lot of video um, stories. And then those same people come back and work with the reporter and edit the stories for news that night. So it was uh, it was a busy day um, uh, editing and getting things. They're running the tape in at the last second with the story on it because it's live, uh, live news. Uh, and then we did shows like Ask an Alaskan, which was Tundra, very Tundra popular Tundra Terror Theater, which was, you know, we did that for quite a few years, ordered all the movies. They could only be aired once. And then we would uh, do each week, do the seg the, uh, the the breaks, and they were funny. And Horrible Clyde. Yeah, Horrible Clyde. Uh, Jerry Brigham was our boss, mm -hmm. and he was Horrible Clyde. A lot of that didn't get saved because the, the movies and the breaks were all edited together, and we could only show the movies once. And so after that, we would just re-record over the same tape. So it's too bad because all those great segments, some of them were really funny. Um, so that, that that was so we had the daily news going and then we had shows like that going. When we got the remote truck, um, Jerry, when they were, like I said, there was a lot of money available. Jerry bought a big video production truck and we started doing live stuff like the start of the K300 and softball games. I still have people bring up the softball games. We, we, yeah, we'd park out at the softball field teams. with, with two cameras. Yeah. We had lots of teams here and, uh, and broadcast it live, um, from the truck and truck had switchers in it. And, uh, and then we had our cameraman and we had 
two sports announcers, a color guy and a play-by-play, -play, and they sat on the roof and watched the game and talked about it. And so that I just had someone recently bring up the softball yeah. games, how much fun that was. And, and we were in our 20s when all of this, when we first came home, I, I think I was 23 or 24, and so you were like 26, 26. and it was, we couldn't believe all the fun that we could have here in Bethel and being here at the station. And and then we started um, having um, our kids and a lot of the folks that were working here at the time, their kids started growing up right here at KYUK. You know, they were involved in, as soon as they could run a camera or run the switchboard, they were working here. And I think that um, it just had a real family, family feeling. And I, mm -hmm. I think sometimes it's, that's continued through the years, you know, even though KYK has changed so much in 50 years, um, lack of funding has shut down the evening broadcast of, um, English and Yupik News live on television. One thing also besides the money shrinking, which it was, um, satellites came along and uh, that that made a big change for us. Everything was mailed here before that. Uh, all the PBS programs were mailed on two inch tape. Uh, you'd go pick up a truckload of those giant two, two inch tapes, put them on the machines, Sesame Street, all those, Mr. Rogers, all those were on tape. There was no satellite. And, uh, but we did have a only station in the nation, the public station in the nation that had a waiver to air commercials. In the late 1970s, KYUK was broadcasting local programming with shows like the Evening Newscast, Kids News, Pat's Corner, and much more. But there was something missing. People wanted to see the network shows. As Rosie Porter put it in an article for the Tundra Drums, Viewers were wondering what WKPR, MASH, 60 Minutes, and other network TV shows were all about. In order to get this programming up to Bethel, a company in Anchorage would record the shows and send them up to Bethel in a somewhat bootlegging style of broadcasting. Although not illegal, this practice was in somewhat of a gray area. Then, one day, an FBI agent arrived at the door of KYUK, startling a young Peter Twitchell at 6 in the morning. This visit resulted in another visit, but this time from FCC Commissioner Washburn. That summer, Commissioner Washburn and his family got to know the Delta. They traveled around the region and came to understand why it was important that KYUK be allowed to broadcast commercial television. So we were able to run commercial programming too. So we ran the, the nightly news from NBC, let's say, I'm not sure which network it was, but, uh, and, and that, in the early days, that was a week late because by the time they'd mail it to us, we, we'd play it on Friday, the next, the, a week late on Friday. And so, um, so, but anyway, that changed everything and the state saw that, well, if there's satellites, do we really need all these stations? Because every station was getting stuff mailed to them. Every station was doing their own thing and it's expensive. Well, you don't need as many people if you have satellites, you can just beam from station to station like we do now. And that big dish out here was the first big dish um, that brought in PBS for us. And once we got PBS, next thing you know, you know the state would be able, was able to start hooking together by satellite. So 
that that was a reason for cutting our funding was we you don't need as much now we're going to combine all you guys even though they still resist it to this day actually true truly combining them um it's it's basically combined now it's, then there was, didn't you have something to do with RatNet and ARCs? And, well, we took yeah. over um, ARCs uh, when I became manager in 1990. They were going to um, dismantle RatNet, uh, the Rural Alaska Television Network. And they were going to dismantle that. And the people out here, now that there's satellites and stuff and you have cable TV, that was another thing. All of a sudden there was cable TV. Um you you know you don't need to have ratnet anymore well there was a good argument of why you did need to have it because so you get low, uh, statewide news statewide information and entertainment programs beyond public broadcasting and so in the end we drew made a proposal that we would run it and we did and i actually thought it was the, the commercial stations in anchorage never liked it they didn't like the idea that we were deciding which shows would be aired in rural Alaska. And this went all over the state in rural Alaska mm -hmm. to every small town. And it was coming from here. And that's when we were doing Ask and Alaskan and Tundra Terror Theater. Those shows then we had a way to beam them all across the whole state. So I felt it worked pretty good for the years that we had it. And then once again, there were more funding cuts and they said they should move it back to Anchorage. And they did. And it's actually still operates in a different form. But um, it, it, and we did our we did our news too. Rhonda was doing news statewide um, um, and concentrating more on rural stories than the anchorage stations do. So uh, it, it was that was kind of a interesting time also when we were beaming across the whole state from Bethel. I think too um, you mentioned getting the news a week late back in the nineteen seventy five. We'd hear it on NPR on radio and we go. Oh, we got to remember that. Got to remember to watch uh, yeah. whatever yeah. <laughs> next week. Oh, I hope the TV's working. <laughs> yeah. With its tight-knit family atmosphere, KYUK continued to be a leader for local journalism in Alaska, gaining accolades and recognition while always welcoming newcomers who were eager to be part of the excitement. When a new dentist moved to town with her husband, Dr. Robert Allen suggested he go check out the station and see if they needed any volunteers. That newcomer was Corey Flintoff. Just the awards that KYAK was receiving gave us a lot of national recognition, a lot of the documentaries that John worked on along with a lot of other people. And, and the news, too, was, you know, live television news, both in Yupik and English, was earning a lot of um, recognition and awards. That um, I was pregnant and having to think about, okay, my gosh, I'm going to have to take a leave here. And a guy by the name of Corey Flintoff um, came, uh, got to know him, and he goes, you know, I'd really be interested in learning the boards. I said, well, come on in, and I'll show you the stuff in the morning. He came in every morning, and that voice was so, like, and we, Henry Ivanov, who now lives in Unicleet, was the general manager at the time. And I said, Henry, you've got to hire this guy. He's listened to his voice, well, only if he works for free. So I like to take the, uh, the claim that I trained um, yeah. <laughs> Corey Flintoff, who went on to 
uh, yep. fame. Uh, mm-hmm. He was with NPR after being with, uh, what was the Alaska? Um, APRN. APRN, and then NPR, and then off he's in Russia. And I think, oh, I trained that guy. Whenever I see, hear him on radio, you know. John and Bev took a step back from KYUK in the 1990s. John retired from his position as general manager and went on to his next project. However, neither Bev nor John could really say goodbye. Today, they remain on the Archive Advisory Board, volunteers at events, and support the station in every way possible. I mean, it was hard leaving, first of all, when you do a job for 20 years. But, um, you know, all of a sudden you have the feeling it's time to leave. But I always felt sort of bad about leaving, especially since I knew things were shrinking. I knew the staff was shrinking. There was nothing anyone could do about it. Uh, We tried to hang on for so long uh, with money and the full staff, but gradually, you know, you had to start letting people go. And and I could just see the writing on the wall that TV was really where my heart was and TV was really going down. Um, You know, I couldn't afford to have hardly any production department. And there's and then we, you know, we lost the the uh, the uh, arcs and ratnet thing. That was always I thought could, could be a way out of all this. I felt money wise. And then once we lost that, I didn't see any way. And I th- really tired of uh, looking for money because um, I was a TV production guy. I like making films. So all of a sudden it gets this crunch every year and going to Washington and all, all that said, I wanted to kind of stay involved if I could at some level, you know, I stayed away for a while just to let, you know, you don't want to keep coming in and having been the boss before, you know, but then there was a point where things like the archive project, uh, I really felt that was, uh, an important thing. And I feel strongly that, uh, uh, the station's still important, and and I wanted to make sure we kept supporting it. Despite uncertainties at the time, KYUK continued to move forward. Finally, in 2019, in an unprecedented fashion, state funding for public radio was line-item vetoed by the governor, cutting KYUK's operating budget by 10%. But here we are, celebrating 50 years, and looking forward to many more thanks to generous community members that just wanted to have a radio station of their own, that have always been willing to invest their time and money to help support their public radio station. And, and we grew up here. I mean, you know, all, a lot of our young adult years was right here at KYUK, and it continued. You know, I still continue to um, volunteer um, broadcasting small schools tournament, all the warrior games, um, just loved sports broadcasting. And, and then I sat on the board of directors, um, for a while and the community advisory board. KYK has such a big part and, and the, and is at the heart of so many things here in the Delta and the community and the sharing of information and, um, and sometimes it's sad to know that, you know, all this new technology, internet and Google and YouTube and all of that, um, I feel like people are missing something if they aren't 
tuned in now and again to KYUK. So it's really fun when you hear, oh gosh, the new Geezer Rock show, Rick Robb is going to be on radio. You know, so I know that um, the community cares as much as we do about the well-being of, of KYUK and that at 50 years, we're still here and still serving a great purpose um, throughout the region. The, the, the region's important part, the villages are, that's real important part for KYK. Always was really important getting our funding is that it connected and, and all these villages get the same information um, and, and, and new local news from the different villages and it really pulls them all together. If they were just connected to the internet or just connected uh, to Dish Network or something, that they, they get isolated. Uh, this this still does its job, and in um, especially in an emergency or something, uh, or searching for people or all those kinds of things. Uh, that was always a real important part was our surrounding areas, and we always worked hard to get our signal out there, like when we did the Chivac translator and the Antioch translators to try and cover a little further all the time. So Villages was a real important part of KYUK and, and why we were successful in the, the things that we did. Today, KYUK remains dedicated to broadcasting throughout the YK Delta Villages. In October of 2020, KYUK filed permits with the FCC for FM stations for eight villages in the region, Alakanuk, Chafornik, Imanik, Good News Bay, Kungiganek, Nunam Iqua, Quinnahawk, and Russian Mission. These villages are not only able to air KYUK content, but broadcast their own local information. And even as Bella grew, because when we first moved home, there was 2,500 people here. And now there's, and when I was growing up here, it was less than a thousand. And so it has continued to grow. The thing back then too, uh, local news, Janet Kaiser, um, she was the news director and she is who I worked under and a lot of us worked under. And we had connections, local connections. We knew everything, anything, what was going on and and could cover um, cover that local aspect and I really want to see you know that continue I um, love it when I see kids interested in journalism broadcast and a lot of the times when I'm trying to pull in kids to the warrior broadcast booth is because I want them to connect to KYUK and um, if it's through sports great but it just um it's been an amazing run um i think um all of our lives here in bethel have been greatly affected by what we did and how we grew here at kyuk yeah this episode of in your ears for 50 years was hosted by gabby salgado Producers for the show are Kristen Hall, Johanna Urich, and Gabby Salgado. Our theme music was performed by Bethy Whalen, Lisa Whalen, and Andy Anksman of the band Blue Whalen. Join us next week when we sit down with Jojo Prince, Ribo Shore, and Diane McCachran 
to talk about creating communities through radio.